And there's so many stories like this, like Medford is such a tiny temple, but it has this amazing story that I think is connected to it, you know? And it's different uh, than most temples, which is pretty cool. Hi everyone, I'm Jerrica. And I'm Claire. And welcome back to Temple Tours. Today we are also joined by Sarah, who will be sharing her incredible story of childlike faith. Our goal is to virtually take you to Latter-day Saint temples around the world. We discuss the history of each area, little-known facts, architectural symbolism, and we'll always include at least one personal story submitted by you, our listeners. Today we'll be talking about a temple located on the West Coast, one with beautiful views nested between several national forests. Members of the church began moving to Oregon in 1860 as loggers. In 1883, a group of railroad surveyors were sent to find the best route through Rogue Valley. Later that year, a depot was placed and 82 blocks were planned for the development of what is now Medford. By the 1930s, there were about 3,500 saints in all of Oregon. Medford had grown substantially and had one branch. Then the church saw a huge increase in membership in Oregon after the Second World War, and in August 1964, Medford became the 400th stake in the church. Medford, Oregon is one of the last towns before you enter California if you're driving south on I-5. It's located in a valley with a population of about 83,000 as of 2019. It's the fourth largest city in Oregon outside of the Portland metro area. The Medford Temple is located right on the northwest edge of town, surrounded by a small but beautiful garden and a path that wraps around the temple. Across the street to the west is a beautiful family ranch. Looking beyond the ranch's trees, you can see the bright green hills that form the valley on that side. To the north of the temple is the meeting house. To the south and the east, you'll find a quiet neighborhood and a small creek. I think the story begins just right when they announced that Medford was going to get a temple, which this was a huge deal because before, you know, you had the Portland Temple, which is about five hours away, but a temple in Medford, which kind of would be the temple for Southern Oregon and Northern California was this big deal. It was a huge miracle just by itself. To celebrate, we went up to the Portland Temple and kind of looked around with our family. And at this time, it was myself, our younger sister, and my older sister, Mary. And Mary was looking at the Portland Temple and she was just in awe of the like beautiful fountain. The Portland Temple has this amazing, amazing kind of looking fountain. And this reflection tool is this the prettiest thing you've ever seen. And it was where my parents got married. And so when we're there, we're seeing pictures of my parents' wedding. And this reflection pool was in that as well. And so Mary fell in love with it. When a temple was announced for the area in March of 1999, members in the area were so excited. They had been driving four to five hours one way to Portland, Oregon to attend the temple. Members in Northern California were going to the Oakland Temple, which for some would have also been a long trip. The Medford Temple met faithful members of the church almost right in the middle, allowing those who live in Southern Oregon and Northern California to have a temple much closer to them. Still, many members take a whole weekend to attend the temple. Recently, another temple was announced for Oregon, this time in Eugene, located between Medford and Portland. This temple will also bless the saints of the area, allowing for less travel time and easing the amount of traffic at the Medford Temple, allowing locals to attend even more regularly. The groundbreaking occurred only two months after the announcement on May 20th, 1999 by D. Lee Tobler, who at the time was serving as Area Authority 70 in the North America Northeast area. During the dedication service, he said, 
This new temple is now another ensign to the restoration of the gospel. It is an ensign not only for you, but it is an ensign for your neighbors. It is an ensign for all. Miraculously, the temple was completed within a year, dedicated on April 16th, 2000 by President James E. Faust, only 56 weeks after it had been announced. It is one of the fastest built temples in the church. So Mary fell in love with it. Then she goes back down to Medford and she hears about this temple and she says, oh, well, of course, they'll have a fountain, right, mom? Because this is her favorite part of the temple. And my mom's like, I don't think so. Like, it's it's very unlikely. You know, she tries to set it up for failure pretty fast. She's like, I don't want Mary to get fixated on this idea. Fixated, she got because <laughs> she was obsessed with this idea of having a fountain and and my mom was like, I, I just don't know if it will, but but maybe I'll, you know, I'll ask around. And so she goes and she asks this person who she knows that's working on the temple. And they said, no way will there be a fountain. Like this is a, this is a budget temple, you know, like we're lucky to have one. We're really grateful, but fountains, like special features are not what we're looking for at this temple. We just want it to be, you know, a blessing to the people in the Rogue Valley in, in Southern Oregon, Northern California, but it's not meant to have a fountain. <laughs> she feels really bad. She goes back to Mary and says, now yeah, Mary, I'm really sorry. This temple won't have a fountain. And Mary said, don't worry, I'll pray for it. At this point, my mom's really worried. She's just taught all these like lessons to sweet Mary, who's about like, you know, 10 to 12 years old at this time. Um, she's just taught her about prayer and about how important it is. Mary starts praying every single day for it. Every single like meal, she'll pray for the temple fountain as well as for their food. And so my mom is really, really worried at this point because she thought it would die out and um, it didn't at all. It, if anything, it increased in intensity because I started praying for it as well because you know, I'm two years younger than her and I liked that fountain too. And so I start praying for it and it appears in every single prayer. It's talked about often in our house. And my mom's just like, oh, they're going to be so disappointed when it doesn't happen, you know? So she decides, I'm going to reach out to that person, her contact with the temple again. Just ask one more time if there's going to be a fountain. And so she reaches out, she asks, and this guy looks at the original blueprint, and it had a fountain in it. They had this, like, picture of this fountain that was in the original, like, drawing that the person had done. Which is crazy, because this is just, you know, regular, like, Hinkley temple that he was just trying to make as many as possible, and none of the others had this fountain, but that one did. And so he decides, like, okay, let's look around. And he finds just the amount of a stone left over that he can make this fountain with. So there's the perfect amount, and they had the perfect amount in the budget that was, like, just right for making a temple fountain. And he tells Mary that it's going to happen. And that was, like, this day of huge celebration in our family because, you know, my mom comes and tells us that temple's going to have a fountain, and we were just freaking out and so excited. And... And it just shows you how much God cares about prayers of just everyone, of little kids and of things that, you know, how, how important is a temple fountain in the big scheme of things? Like, you would think not that important, but to a little girl who was praying every day and to her sister who was also praying every day, it really was something and it meant something. And to have our, our prayers answered in that way was just this really early testament of God's love for us on this little thing. And, and the day that it was made, we actually got to go and uh, put our handprints in the in the temple and help to pour the foundation of it so we have this picture of all of us together helping to build this and mary just beaming and me beaming and and just so excited to you know be a part of this process it was so cool of the temple workers to 
to help us to, to be a part of that. And we also have pictures, both uh, myself and two of my other sisters, Mary, uh, got married at that temple. And so we all have pictures of us near this this fountain that really has just become a symbol for us uh, of God's God's love for the individual and God hearing our prayers and, and answering them in, in these miraculous, amazing ways. The open house that took place for one week at the end of March welcomed nearly 35,000 people, which is incredible considering the population of Medford at the time was only 66,000. More than half the town's population attended the short open house. The late 1990s and early 2000s are known as a time of accelerated temple building in the church. President Hinckley felt that it was important for every member of the church to have access to temple ordinances. Between 1998 and 2000, 38 temples were announced, built, and dedicated. The number of temples during President Hinckley's service as prophet nearly tripled from 47 to 124. From August 1999 to September 2000, there was a temple dedication almost every weekend. April and June saw the most temple dedications in church history with six temples dedicated each month, totaling 15 temples completed in the spring of 2000. The Medford Organ Temple was part of that miracle. Many of the temples built during those few years had a standard floor plan and exterior. And although these temples look the same, they are significant to the members who are blessed by its presence. Much like Sarah's miracle story, miracles occur with every temple no matter the size or location. Before we talk about the symbolism found in this temple, we would like to remind you that you can find us on Instagram at templetourspod. Be sure you're following us for a more visual version of each episode with pictures and videos. We are so grateful for your support. The Medford Temple does not sit on a hill, but instead it is surrounded by the hills as if to be cupped by the hands of God. It's a really cool area because it's made in a valley, and so you don't really get any like tornadoes safe from any of that kind of stuff. And I never had an earthquake living there, and it's just this like... It feels like a haven, like it feels like this special little place where you've always felt so safe. The Medford Oregon Temple also has the symbol of the circle in the square, which represents heaven and earth coming together in one place. Though it is a common symbol on Latter-day Saint temples, it is a special reminder to saints in the Medford Temple District that their sacred temple is where heaven and earth meet. The fountain Sarah and her sister Mary prayed for is located right between the gate and the entrance of the temple. Around it is a small flower bed with a ledge wide enough to sit, calling to mind the parable Christ taught the woman at the well in John chapter 4. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus therefore being wearied with his journey sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, asketh drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman said unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water. Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. 
But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed this episode and learned something new about the temple today. Every temple has its own unique and personal touch, and the Medford, Oregon Temple is no exception. Be sure to join us on Facebook and Instagram at Temple Tours Pod for pictures and more exclusive content throughout the week. And if you have a story that you would like to share about your temple, email us at ldstempletours at gmail.com. Temple Tours is a production of Mecco Radio. Jerrica Dennison and Claire Oster hosted today's episode. Special thank you to Sarah Keenan for sharing her story with us today. This episode was written and produced by Jerrica Dennison, and I, Alex Williams, edited this program. The music we use includes Where I Find Rest by Sunwash, In the Clouds by Be Still the Earth, Wonderland by Midro, Ray by Kevin Graham, Horizon by Cloud Cover, Intro by Miles Kredic, and After All This Time by Ben Winwood. A full list of sources and credits can be found in the show notes. And we should note, this is not an official podcast of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Thank you for listening.